right, for the, uh, for the past few weeks, we have been eavesdropping on a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples about 2,000 years ago. And even though this group of disciples had a history of asking kind of some dumb questions over the years, uh, the question that they asked him this time was absolutely brilliant. And their question has become our question to kick off this new year. The question is found in Luke chapter 11 in verse 1. It says, Now, when it came to pass, as he, the he here being Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, when he was done with his prayer, that one of his disciples, don't know which one it was, but one of them has this stroke of genius. Instead of asking a question about which one of them is the greatest and, you know, how they can be promoted in the kingdom of God and all those self-centered type questions, this time one of them has this stroke of genius and he asked this question. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. Can we say that together? You ready? Let's say it. One, two, three. Lord, teach us to pray. That is really the desire of our hearts, and it is the goal of this entire series, and I think we ought to make it the goal for the year, that we as a church, as individuals, and collectively, that we would really learn how to pray. Jesus gladly answers their question, begins to teach them some really important things about prayer. Verse 2, he said to them, again, there's no discussion here, he just jumps right into the teaching. He says to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So in week one, we said that the entire basis for prayer is our our father-child relationship that we have with Father God. He's not a distant, reluctant, uninterested, absentee father. No, on the contrary, he's a good, present, engaged, loving father who actually enjoys hearing the prayers of his kids. That's who our God is. That's who the creator of the universe is, our Father who enjoys hearing our prayers. In week two, we talked about your kingdom come, your will be done, and how that phrase represents what we might call relational prayer. And we said that relational prayer is more important than transactional prayer. Because in transactional prayer, sometimes we become fixated simply on what we can receive from the hand of God and totally miss what we can receive from the heart of God. We want to know who he is. We don't want to just get stuff from him. Somebody say amen. Amen. God is not an ATM. He is our father. And our priority in prayer is that we know him. So after Jesus first addresses the relational aspects of prayer... Now he gets to what we will call the prayer of petition. This is where we start asking God for specific things. Look at verse 3. He's teaching them how to pray. He's teaching us how to pray. Give us day by day our daily bread. Or you might be more familiar with the version of it in Matthew 6 and verse 11. says the same thing, worded just a little differently. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread. So first he focuses on relationship. Relationship always comes first. And then he encourages us to bring our needs to God. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is teaching us how to bring specific needs to God. If you have a financial need met in your life, it's okay, it's permissible, it's right, and it's good to pray for that. 
Bring that to the Lord and, and say, God, I, I've got a need here that, that I need met. If you need healing in your body or maybe your mind or maybe your heart, it's good and it's permissible and it's encouraged to take that need to what we would call the throne of grace. That's what God sits on for you and I, a throne made of grace and, and bring that need to our Father. If you need wisdom or direction, you've got some decisions to make in your life. It's good and acceptable and encouraged to pray about that. I think this is where prayer becomes really, really practical. It's where we ask God, our Father, to get involved in our daily needs or maybe in the needs of someone that we're praying for. Again, some would call this type of prayer a prayer of petition. Now... As simple as that sounds, bringing our needs to God, I actually think this is where prayer can get a little tricky, okay? Because when we are praying for things, what do we actually pray? Like practically, what, what, do we, what are the words that are coming out of our mouths or our hearts or our minds? Jesus told us to prioritize the will of God in prayer. His will comes first, so when we're coming to God, I'm not trying to get him to do what I want, but yet he tells me to bring my needs to him. So it creates kind of this tension between praying what I want and wondering, is that what God wants? Anyone ever, anyone ever find yourself there like, hey, in this situation, I would really like this to happen. Like if I was God, I would like this to happen, but I know I'm not God and so I don't want to pray anything contrary to the will of God. So I'm kind of stuck in this tension. Like, how then do I actually pray? Because I want his will, not mine. Anyone ever struggle with just a little bit? Like, I'm, I, I don't know. Like, if it, am I praying something that lines up with the will of God? Or am I trying to take my will and force it on him? Like, God, I'd really love to see this happen. But not if it's not your will. I don't want to pray against your will. So I've had that struggle a lot. 1 John 5 and verse 14. Let's look at two verses here in 1 John. It says, now, this is the confidence that we have in him. We want to be confident in prayer. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So this is an awesome promise in our Bibles, but there's a qualifier on the promise. It says we can be bold, we can be confident in prayer, knowing that God hears us when we are asking or praying according to his will. There's a qualifier on the promise. How then do we know? Because I don't know about you, but Dave Marsh has a strong will. Let you in on a little secret. Patty Marsh has a stronger will. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Let you in on a little secret. Mariah Marsh, our baby, has an even stronger will. How many have some strong wills in the house? Some, you, no? No, you're like, no, I'm totally submissive. Is he totally, is he all the time? No, no. I got a strong will. But I want to continually surrender my will to the will of the Father. I don't want my agenda. My agenda is awful. <laughs> I can mess things up royally. I want the will of God. So how can I have confidence that I'm praying according 
to the will of God. Well, I just want to share with you what's helped me over the years find the most peace about praying according to the will of God. I don't know everything there is to know about God. None of us ever will. But I do know this. God's word will never contradict God's will. Say that again. God's word will never contradict God's will. So if I want to pray the will of God, my best bet, I hate to use that word, is that I would pray the word of God. It, it, it takes so much of the mystery out of prayer if I'm actually praying his word back to him. Do we, do we have any examples of anyone doing this in the Bible? Yes, we do. The title of this series is called Pray Like Jesus. Jesus Christ did this himself. When he was on the cross, twice he prayed scripture. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus Christ was praying Psalm 22. When he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, while he's there on the cross, Jesus Christ is praying Psalm 31. Okay? This was a prayer that Hebrew children would be taught to pray as they laid their head down every night to go to sleep. Our version of it would be, now I lay me down to sleep. How many learned that prayer when you were little? Now I lay me down to sleep. What that prayer was saying is, God, while I sleep, I have no control what's going on here in my life. I'm going to trust myself, my life, into your hands while I sleep. And I think it is just beautiful that even while Jesus was drifting off to death, he prayed Psalm 31 saying, Father, I'm going to drift off to death and I'm going to trust you even in my death. That's beautiful. He would have, he would have prayed that prayer as a boy. And now while he's on the cross, he takes that scripture and he makes it a prayer once again. Father, into your hands. I commit my spirit. That's awesome. Jesus prayed scripture. How about when he spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted and attacked by Satan? How did he respond to those spiritual attacks? He used the word of God. I don't want to sound weird or anything like that today, but we need to know this about prayer, that prayer is often spiritual warfare. There is a battle. You and I are in a war. Well, you might say, Pastor, I didn't sign up. Well, when you, when, you joined, when you joined the human race, you signed up. There is a cosmic battle in the world, and you and I are a part of it. And if we are sons and daughters of God, then we're really a part of it. Again, I'm not being weird or spooky or anything like that, but spiritual warfare is a big part of prayer. And during Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness, that's what he was engaged in. We find the biblical account of this in Matthew chapter 4. I want you to see how Jesus conducted himself during this time of warfare. Matthew 4 and verse 3, it says, Now when the tempter, Satan, came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, he questioned his identity. He says, Command that these stones become bread, verse 4. But Jesus answered and said, It is written. Everyone say, It is written. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Satan comes along and he tempts Jesus. What does Jesus do? He responds with scripture. That scripture is found in Deuteronomy, Old Testament, uh, chapter 8 and verse 3, which says, man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. I think this is so awesome because Jesus is in a difficult time in his life. He's fasting. He's hungry. He's tired. He's under spiritual attack. And what does he do? 
He goes to the Bible. The same Bible that you and I can read today, Jesus recalls a scripture that speaks to his circumstance, and then he speaks it out of his mouth. Some people in our culture today are trying to separate Jesus from the Bible, especially from the Old Testament, so they can make Jesus more cool. They can make Jesus more hip. They can make Jesus more relevant to our our modern-day culture. But friends, i got to tell you, Jesus Christ was a preacher and teacher of the Bible. And not only did he preach it and teach it in his public life, but he lived it in his private life. And when he was under attack, he reached into his spiritual toolbox, and he pulled out a scripture, and he told Satan, it is is written that's that's how we pray that's we have access to the same words of God Matthew 4 and verse 5 then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and he said to him if you are the son of God now throw yourself down watch this now for it is written hold on a minute the devil knows the Bible He does, doesn't he? Satan knows scripture. But what Satan tries to do is twist it and use it in a way that is not consistent with the heart of God. That's why you have to know the Father. That's why relational prayer comes first. So we know his heart. And then when someone takes his word and tries to twist it, something on the inside of us says, no, 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 that's not my daddy. It's not my dad. And Jesus knew that. Look look at what happens. Satan actually quotes Psalm 91. He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus goes back to Deuteronomy, and this time chapter 6 and verse 16, that says you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Let's look at verse 8. Again, third time, devil takes him up to an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Verse 10, then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Church, we can see a pattern here. Every time Jesus is in a difficult place, whether he's suffering on the cross or being tempted in the wilderness, what does he do? He, he, he reaches into his heart where he has hidden the word of God and he pulls out a scripture that speaks to his circumstance and then he speaks it out of his mouth. If you and I are going to build a fruitful prayer life, then I think we need a toolbox full Of it is written. If if we want to be confident in praying the will of God, then I think one of the greatest ways to do that is to be praying the Word of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It does not say the word of Dave can do that. doesn't say the word of Gary can do that. doesn't say the word of Kyle or Liz can do that. It says the word of God can do that. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts. 
It's powerful. It can discern even the thoughts and intents of our own hearts. You know, sometimes we don't even understand our own hearts. How many of us are guilty of confusing ourselves? <laughs> Too bad. We get so many thoughts rolling around in our heads and in our hearts sometimes that we get confused. We don't know which direction to go, to the right or to the left. Is that God? Is that me? Is that Satan? Is that someone else? The Word of God can reveal even the intentions of our hearts. So in prayer, I can either use my words or I can use God's. I believe it's wise to use His. What, what does that look like practically? What if, what if you have a friend and your friend needs healing? Something going on in their body. Let's call the friend Ted. Okay. Anyone in here named Ted? I think I'm good. I had to ask because you, you, someone say, well, you were talking about me. Well, your name's Ted, I, but I was just an illustration. All right. Never mind. Let's say we're going to pray for Ted. And I could say, Lord, today I want to pray for my friend Ted and ask you to heal him. There's nothing wrong with that prayer, okay? Nothing wrong with that prayer. But if I have an it is written to base my prayer on, it gives me faith. And it builds my confidence as I pray the it is written. So what I might do instead of just saying, Lord, I ask you to heal Ted. What I might do is look into my spiritual tool bag and pull out some scriptures like Exodus 15 and verse 26. Exodus 15 and verse 26 says, this is what God himself says. He says, I am the Lord who heals you. So as I read that. I can come to God not thinking that Dave Marsh came up with an idea that God heals. No, this is God self-identifying as the Lord, our healer. So healing is not just something that God does. Healing is a part of his character and his nature. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. That's who he is. That's who he is. So then I can be rooting around in that tool bag a little bit. Some of you guys got your tools all organized, not me. It's a mess. It's a mess in my toolbox. But anyway, I'm rooting around in there, and I might come upon maybe Psalm 103. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. It starts off with praise. It's always a good idea to start your prayers with praise. Verse 2, bless the Lord and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. How many thankful to be forgiven today? Oh, it's a good thing to be forgiven. Who, who forgives all your iniquities and does something else. Who heals all your diseases. Verse 4, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness in tender mercies. As I'm reading the word of God, something starts happening to my faith. My faith starts to wake up 
all of a sudden I start to plant my feet in some it is written's. And I, 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 I start to undergird this truth that it's not just my idea that I would pray that something good would happen for my friend Ted, but it's God's idea. And so what I'm doing is I'm bringing my prayer into alignment with the Word of God. And when I start to pray now for my friend Ted, I said, God, I want to thank you for my friend Ted today. Because as I read in your Word in Exodus 15, you are the God who heals us. And God, as I read in Psalm 103, I believe that you are the God who can redeem his life from destruction. The destruction that's being caused by that sickness. And God, I pray that today you would take away this pain and instead you would uh, replace it with a crown of loving kindness and tender mercies. Thank you, Lord, for being the God who heals. I will bless your name at all times. I'm not going to forget your benefits. I'm going to give you praise for being the God, our healer. Now, I could pray. I, I gave you two options. Lord, heal Ted. Or I could take God's word. I didn't write it. He wrote it. And I could bring it back to him. The apostle James said that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous accomplishes much. Because some of you are looking at me right now. Some of you low energy folks. Looking at me right now, Pastor, that's too hard. That's going to take some effort. Listen, bro, you need to get up off of your spiritual lazy boy. Pastor, God can hear me. I don't have to be. Listen to what James said. He said, the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous accomplishes much. If that's true, and it is, we can also conclude that the weak Apathetic, no passion prayer accomplishes little. If we're going to be serious about Lord, teach us to pray, then we're, listen, you and I, we don't need no help praying over our chicken nuggies. Right? We don't need any help with that. Look at us. We're doing all right praying over our meals. Come on, somebody. In this, in this series, we're not talking about learning how to pray over our food. We're talking about learning how to go before the throne of God and seeing the Lord move on our behalf or the behalf of someone who needs him. That's what the disciples were saying. Lord, teach us to pray. They were saying, Jesus, the things we've seen you do, we want to be able to do those things in our lives, not for our glory, but to help somebody. We want to be able to move mountains in prayer. And if we're going to do that, we're not going to do that by being weak and tired and sitting back and saying, God bless me and God be with me. He's already with us. But what we're going to do is grab a hold of the word of God, find ourselves some it is written, plant our feet, build our faith, and speak the word of God out of our mouths. How about salvation? How about if we're praying for someone that doesn't know the Lord, but we want them to know the Lord? I could pray and say, Father, I ask you to save John. 
There's, there's nothing wrong with that simple prayer. But if I haven't, it is written to pray for John. I just prefer to use God's words over my own. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 says this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Why is God suffering long toward us? Why is God patient? Here's the answer. Because he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So when I read this scripture, I begin to believe that God wants to save John as much or maybe more than I do. And so what I'm going to do is to use my prayer to line up with God's word in his will. And so instead of just saying, well, Lord, you know, it'd be real nice if you'd saved John. Uh, I really don't. I, I mean, he's an all right guy, and I, I don't want him to go to hell. So if you could save him, that'd be okay. <laughs> or I could get into the word of God and say, Lord, today I want to lift up my friend John. And I'm praying by the power and the promise of your Holy Spirit, I find it in, in your written word that today you would draw the heart of my friend John. And just like you removed the scales off of the eyes of a man named Saul and you transformed him into the Apostle Paul, I'm praying today that you would remove the scales from John's eyes. And God, would you draw him out of the kingdom of darkness and bring him into the kingdom of light? Father, your word tells me that it's your will that none should perish. And, and, and I just pray that today, somehow, some way, that John... John would be drawn to a place of repentance. Your word tells me today, God, that today is the day of salvation. So, Father, I pray that you would send somebody into John's path today. Do it by your person or do it by your spirit. Someone would knock on the door of his heart, and I pray that today John would be born again. Thank you, God, for saving John. What? I just prayed six scriptures. But as I pray him, this is, what, this is what the Bible says. That the word of God will not return void. But it will prosper where it is sent. So when I take the promises of God and I pray them, I am sending them over John's life. How about provision? How about you have a prayer need? Jesus just said Give us this day our daily bread. He's talking about our financial needs. It's okay to bring them to the Lord. And, and I could, if I got a bill I can't pay, I could hold it up and be like, hey, Lord, you see? <laughs> you see this? They reassessed my house. <laughs> Surprise, government wants more money. Um, and so, <laughs> be awesome. It'd be awesome if you pay this, God. Or, or I could just get into my toolbox Find some it is written. Father, you told me I'm loud, I'm all that, but you don't you don't have to be necessarily that, but you gotta have some passion. Because listen, if you're serious about something, you're gonna be passionate about it. If you have the the thing that displeases God is a lack of faith. It's just that those who come to God must believe. 
and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently believe him. Faith pleases God. So in prayer, I'm expressing my faith by what I'm asking for. So I could go to Proverbs chapter 3 and I could say, Lord, your word tells me in Proverbs 3 that if I would honor you with my possession, the first fruit of my increase, then my barns would be filled with plenty. And Father, I believe your word, but right now there's a need in my barn. So, Lord, I'm standing on your promises and I'm praying them back to you. Malachi chapter 3 says, if I would bring all the tithe into the storehouse, God, you would open up the windows of heaven and pour out more than I can contain. Father, I believe your word, but right now I've got a financial need. I'm asking you to meet for your word tells me that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I, I'm just praying in line with what God has already said. What if you need wisdom? Father, I come to you today according to James 1 and verse 5, which says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Proverbs 3 tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you, and then you would direct my path. Psalm 37 says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by you. So God, I don't want to go anywhere you don't want me to go. Romans 8 and verse 14 says that I can be be led by the Spirit of God because I'm the Son of God. So, Father, today I'm standing on your word, trusting you to lead me. Friends, if we develop a pattern of praying the word of God, we will be taking his precious promises, hiding them down deep on the inside of us. And when we go through some confusion, we'll know how to pray for wisdom. When we go through temptation, we'll know how to respond to the enemy. Now, I'm not trying to make a formula here, okay? So please don't get legalistic. Can God hear a simple, Lord, I need you? <laughs> yeah, he can pray that. Sometimes I've, I've been in spots where I couldn't pray anything, but Jesus, can he hear that? Can he respond to that? Yes, he can. I'm not saying be legalistic about it, but what I am saying is if you have some it is written, it is a powerful way to keep us spiritually grounded and praying according to the will of God. Ephesians 6 teaches us that the word of God is our weapon in prayer. Look at Ephesians 6 and verse 13. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Why, why do you need the armor? Why, do, why, would it, why would we need armor? Go ahead and answer it out loud. Because we're under attack. We're in a battle, right? Don't need, don't need armor at the dinner table. Well, <laughs> depends, on who, <laughs> depends on who was invited to dinner. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Then he begins to list the armor. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation, and watch this, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, some people say, well, I got my armor on. I believe in the armor of God. But if you have your armor on, what... What are you doing with the armor? Where, where do we use this armor? How do we use this armor? Well, the verse, verse 18 tells us. Look at the next verse, very next verse. I'm not pulling something out of context today. It's all right here in the Bible. 
Verse 18 tells us where and how we use the armor. Praying. Everyone say praying. praying. So where's, where's the weapon is the what? The word of God. That's the sword of the spirit. But where do we use it? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We put on the armor so we can use it in prayer. Friends, when we pray the word of God, we're building our prayer life. We're building our faith. Romans 10 and verse 17 says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Every time you hear yourself quote the word of God or pray the word of God, you are literally building up your own faith. We're building our scriptural toolbox for memorizing scripture. Some of us, we, we memorized scripture when we were in uh, Sunday school, but in the last 20 years, we've not memorized one scripture. How are you going to respond with an it is written if you don't know what's written? <laughs> right? How... how in, in our moment of temptation, when Satan's coming after us and, and we're finding ourselves in a hard spot, how are we going to respond with it is written if we don't know what's written? If, if we're in a place of, of suffering and hurting or loneliness or depression or lack, how are we going to respond if we don't know? Do you understand that in our Christian heritage, that there, were, there was a time on this planet where the average person was not allowed to own a Bible. In some countries of the world, that's true today. Do you know that some people who were reformers and came along and said, listen, I don't think that the Bible is just for the elites. I think the Bible is for common men and common women. Do you know some of them were burned at stakes some of them were fed to animals, lions, because they believed that the Word of God was not just for the spiritual upper class. The Word of God was for everyone. And I'm not trying to guilt anybody into praying or reading the Word today, but I'm just saying people died for the book we often neglect. God's Word is a gift to us. And if you want to pray according to the will of God, you got to pray the word of God. We're putting on the armor. We're keeping ourselves aligned. We're agreeing with God. This is one of the ways we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God, I'm not here to impose my will on you. I'm here to submit to your will and your word and to see your kingdom come to this earth. Church, this isn't the only way to pray. But if you find yourself struggling with, hey, how do I pray? What do I say? Or maybe your prayer life has grown stale. I just want to encourage you, start praying the word. So how do we do that? Let's get real practical for a minute. Search the scriptures, okay? If you have a paper Bible, how many still use a paper Bible? Look at all the old people. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding you. I'm just kidding you. There are things I like about the paper Bible because you can write in it and make your notes and all that, all that sort of stuff. But if you use a paper Bible, usually in the back of a paper Bible is a concordance and you can look up certain scriptures. You can look up topics. You can start building your scriptural 
toolbox just right there in the back of your Bible to tell you, go to this place, go to this place. You want to find something on healing, you want to find something on victory, you want to find something on wisdom, you can find it. Uh, but here, here's another way to do it, the YouVersion Bible app. You can search things in that Bible app. It's totally free. Google, is, 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 as much as Google can be used for some bad stuff, Google is actually a pretty good Bible search engine. Okay, so if you're looking, hey, I, what does the Bible say about marriage? You want to pray over your marriage. What's the Bible say about marriage? Google's going to, now don't, don't read the crazy articles. <laughs> Just, okay, don't read those. Just stick with what, what does the Bible say and then look up those scriptures. Uh, BibleGateway.com, that's a website I use a whole lot. It's really good. Now, we, I think we still have some of these. We gave a bunch of these, 500 of these away or something like this. But this little journal here, that you could actually find the scriptures, you know, right at the top of one of the page, healing, and, and list all the scriptures that you found. Get your toolbox built on, on healing. And then when you go to pray, turn to your healing page. Use those to build your prayer life. Do the same thing, whatever, for your marriage or for your finances or for wisdom or for direction. I said, Pastor, this sounds like work. <laughs> Well, we can, we can go through 2023 on cruise control. Or we can be serious and say, Lord, teach us to pray. We stand. Let's sing that chorus together. All my life. You ready, Jack? All my life you have been today, I just want to take a moment and pray for anyone who's here this morning who doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and maybe at the beginning of this year you've been thinking, you know, it's, it's probably time to get to church or get back to church, probably time that I start thinking about some of the spiritual aspects of my life. Uh, if that's you and, and you've just never responded to the grace of God. I, I want you to respond this morning. I talked to you about my friend John I'm praying for. That's a real person. I didn't, ma- I didn't make him up. That's a real person that we're praying for, that he would be saved. And one of the scriptures I quoted was uh, Revelation chapter 3 where it talks about Jesus knocking on the door of, of our hearts and anyone who would open to him that Jesus would come in and dine with him fellowship with him do life with him and that's what I'm praying for John that he would hear that knock he would respond he would open up his heart to God but maybe that's you today maybe maybe you need to respond to that knock and if it is you can tell him right there in your heart say Lord I need you God I I, I want to know you. Tell him you, you want to serve him. You want to be used by him. You want your life to matter. You want your life to count. If you've never responded to that knock, today would be the day to respond. Or maybe you had at one time, but you've been away from God for a long time and you need to come back. 
today's that time to do that. Today, if God's speaking to you in that way, we would love to know it. We'd love to pray with you. I'm going to be out at the welcome counter after service. We've got other leaders out there. If you'd like to talk to one of them, you're welcome to do that. We also have, you heard Matthew talk about a connection card. We have those in the seat back in front of you. On that card is a little box right there that says, hey, I want to begin a relationship with God. Fill that out, drop it in one of the boxes or give it to one of us. We can call you this week, follow up, pray with you, pray for you. Church, there's nothing like serving Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. And if you need to join his family, we, we want you to know you're welcome here. And for all of us, let's pray that God would just increase our prayer life and give us a passion to know him. Father, God, all of us at times, we grow weary, we grow apathetic. Our prayer life sometimes can, can be non-existent. Sometimes it can be boring. Sometimes it can just feel like we're praying the same thing over and over again. And we're just asking you in this new year, refresh us, God. Just refresh us and, and, and inspire us to, to be those people who will pray those passionate, fervent prayers that will accomplish much, God. We want to build your kingdom. We want to see it grow here on earth. We want to see your will be done in us and through us, God. So for every one of us in this church, teach us, Lord, to pray. We give you thanks, and we do give you praise today. We do bless the holy name of Jesus Christ.